0: Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing this morning? Blessed. Hallelujah. Y'all act like it's Thanksgiving weekend. Everybody's still talking. Been... So thankful, got people out of town still and traveling. Glory to God. I told someone I was thinking about getting a cup of that coffee myself, but I... Some of y'all will probably get up and leave during the middle of the service, because the middle of the service will be about 2 o'clock if I drink a cup of coffee. Now, I got up pretty early already this morning, four o'clock, I said, yes, Lord, I had something he wanted to share with me, and so uh, I was busy. I did what every smart person would do. I figured if he was gonna talk, I was gonna take notes, and so I wrote some notes down. Now, if I can just understand what in the world it is I was writing at four o'clock in the morning, that will help a lot. Well, I trust everybody had a great Thanksgiving. I know we did at our house. Marsha and I, it was a busy week for us. On uh, Wednesday, we celebrated our 48th wedding anniversary. <laughs> Amen. Ed Brian over there says, I got one question. How old were you when you got married? 48 years? I said, we've been married since birth, you know? And uh, anyway, it's it's been an adventure. And, uh, I figured I'd get an amen out of Marsha on that one, <laughs> but I hopefully she didn't say that in a in a bad manner, but just in a truthful manner. It has been an adventure. Glory to God. You know, before we get started this morning, I do want to pray for somebody. I don't know who it is, or what it, and, and I'm kind of stumbling around about it because I don't really know what to call it. Uh, being as I'm not a doctor, or a nurse, or anything like that, uh, but. I, I do know when when the Lord's speaking about a situation in a person's body, I may not feel the complete pain of it uh, understand anything about it. All I can do is, is through a word of knowledge, give a basic description of what the pain may be. And I feel like the Lord wants to deal with this immediately so that you can uh, be more engaged in the, in the service. And it might be for somebody that's online. I don't know. But I'd like to pray for you if you're having any trouble... Uh, with your right foot, and with the right foot, the problem is it's like it's a burning uh, feeling, a a tingling, but more of a a burning, and it's not hard or anything on me, but it may be in your life. I don't know, uh, I don't know what, what do you call that? Neuropathy or something like that? I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, if that's what it is. All I can say is the right foot. So if that's you this morning, if you'll raise your hand, I'd like to pray with you. Uh, somebody right over there. What? Can I ask you the symptom? What's it doing? Yeah. Okay, that's basically what, that's where it was at in the hill. Who? Who else raised their hand? Yes, ma'am. Your ankle? Okay. Well, listen, if this morning, if you're online and it and that word or that sensation is in your body as well, then reach out by faith and grab a hold of that just as I'm going to pray right now. Lord, I just thank you right now. The things that you reveal, you heal. And Lord, I praise you for your healing flowing forth this morning into people's bodies. Lord, as people extend their faith in reaching out, whether it be uh, the flu virus or whether it be uh, problems with with their heart, Or right now with this right foot, Lord, they receive by faith what you've already made available. Lord, I thank you that healing flows right now into this foot. Thank you, Lord, for Bob being able to do what he couldn't do before. Lord, I thank you for healing in in Miss Sandy's ankle, and I give you praise for it. And Lord, if anybody online is having neuropathy or anything such as that burning in their right foot, I thank you that healing... Is flowing into their body as well. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, glory to God. we got a uh, business, the, oh, Marsha's writing me notes. She used to pass notes in school. But uh, anyway, uh, she did leave me a note here. said that we have 10 of the Advent resets left back on the table. Now, back before, uh, about a week or so ago, a couple of weeks back, uh, Peter and I was having dinner, and, and I told him about Advent and was explaining some things and about how things uh, transpired over the years. We were talking about things being passed down from ge- uh, one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And we were talking about being in, uh, in Rome and the paintings and all I made mention of last week and sculptures and things like that. We went to Florence and saw the Statue of David. And went to the Vatican through their museums and the Sistine Chapel and all. And all of the paintings tell a story. And we see this in, in churches uh, over the many, many years of where there'd be stained glass windows. No stained glass windows would have a picture there. And every one of those pictures told a story. It would be about the flood. It could be about Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. It could be about Noah's Ark. But they'd be a picture of some kind. And parents would be able to tell their children about that picture. A lot of people back then couldn't read. There wasn't a printing press until the 1500s. And so I think it's 1500s. And since there wasn't a printing press, there wasn't much to read, right? And uh, so there wasn't, people didn't read. And what they had as far as the Bible back then was basically written in languages nobody spoke. And in the Catholic Church, it was in Latin. And matter of fact, they Did the Latin, spoke Latin in the service and having mass all the way till I was up into, I think it was my freshman year in high school. In other words, all those years from 1971 on back, nobody in the church, unless you understood Latin, even had a clue what anybody was saying. And that was standard everywhere. Then they said, you know what, we could speak this in English. I think Jesus would be excited about it. And uh, they did. And so uh, from that point on they did. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to things like an advent wreath. And last year I ministered on at Christmas time about living between two advents. And I didn't wasn't able to really get into it very much and very deep because it was one service trying to cover a month's worth of advent. That's kind of hard to do. Even with a cup of coffee, it's still hard to do. And so I told Peter this year, I said, I'd like to go into it a little bit deeper. I'd like to be able to make it to where parents, uh, grandparents, children, and all could be involved in Advent. You see, Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means coming. Coming. And uh, we know that Jesus came the first time, the first advent, it was the first coming. And that was before our time, is for sure. But he's also coming again. And so we're living between the first coming and the second coming. And that's where we are. And as things take place in our lives daily, day, in the hustle and bustle of everything, uh, you can kind of get lost in all of that. And one of the things that's bothered me over the last oh, I don't know, I'm sure probably the last 30 years or so, has been the commercialization of Christmas. And uh, maybe even longer than that. Because what's happened is, is, Advent is about preparing ourselves for the second coming. That's what it should be about. And so Advent, if, if you do away with that, and, and you say, well, we're just having Christmas, then you missed Four weeks worth of preparation, preparing yourself, thinking about it, meditating on it, on what? His return. And you spend one day basically talking about the birth of Jesus. But what about all that time prior to that? With the commercialization of it, you're out shopping back in in, in Halloween, looking for Christmas decorations, and everything is based and pushed upon a one-day event, when it ought to be a lifetime. It ought to be a day-to-day thing. In Advent, basically, uh, the, it, back in the early church, Lent and, and uh, Easter was celebrated the first several hundred years. I think it was about 300 years they began to start do, uh, AD, they started bringing in Christmas, and before long, this there was so much involved in the Christmas story, They let's just spread this out. And so they did. Well, one of the things that's lost today, is all of that because it's all being commercialized and pushed upon us for a one-day event, when really it's not a one-day event. Preparing ourselves for the second coming should be something we do every day, but we can focus a lot in this one month's time. Now, what I did was I told Peter, I said, you know, I think what we ought to do is get an Advent reef, put it in here, we're not going to bow down to the reef. Say, is it is it symbolic? Well, it could be. And symbolic, I can make something symbolic. It's, it is circular, which means there's no beginning, no end of God. Amen. There should be no end and in, in beginning of of thanking God or His love towards us. But to be truthful. It's just a wreath that I got at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> okay, and it looks pretty. The four candles that we have there around the outside there, uh, three of them are are. are I would say violet in, in color. Uh, you say, well, that stands for royalty. You could say this and that. You know, that's just the color the Advent candles come. And pink, which is, I'm not real sure, is that pink? It's as close to pink as she could find. And pink represents the, the joy candle. So they have uh, several candles. And as I've studied upon Advent, uh, I knew that we celebrate Advent growing up every, every year. But there's other denominations that have Advent as well. And if you read online and search it out, you'll find that there's really no set preference for Advent. You have denominations say, this is how we're doing it. And you've got different ones. The candles represent different things. But all of them say that the first candle represents hope. And then the second one, sometimes they say it's preparation. But uh, we we say it's going to be faith. The third candle here, being the pink one, is going to represent peace. The fourth one represents, I mean, not peace, but joy. And the fourth one represents peace. And the candle in the middle represents the the Christ, Jesus. He is the light of the world. And so you begin four weeks prior to Christmas, and you light those things. Now, we'll start that this morning, and we'll go ahead and begin by lighting this candle. And we'll say that this is hope. Now, the thing about lighting this candle is it burns today. It'll continue and continue. It's going to start getting smaller, not this one probably because it's a pillar candle, but a tapered candle would, would start to shrink. And when you get through, you blow it out, and the next day you come home, you light it again. Now, what we wanted to do was to put into your hand. These reefs that we have purchased and sets of candles. If you try to go out and buy those candles at Hobby Lobby, you're wasting your time. Marsha bought all they had in Prattville and in Montgomery, so don't worry about going there. But we have 10 sets of those candles and the candle holders in the back, and you can swing by your favorite Michaels or Hobby Lobby and pick up a little reef or something if you want to decorate it. But what I've done is I wanted people to be able to participate and think more about Christmas about the meaning of Christmas, it's the second coming, than it is uh, I mean, about the advent of, of, of Christmas, not just about a particular day. And so what I did is I told you last week that I would take some scripture verses, and I've got these printed out in the back. They're on the table. And uh, if you would, if you wanted to, you can get one of these. And it's got, like it says Sunday, it's uh, John Gospel, uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And the theme of that would be heaven. How many of you know we have a hope called heaven? Amen. And so we may touch a little on that this morning. And then tomorrow uh, be Monday. It be Acts 1 through 9, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. And the theme is Jesus is going to return. And so it, that's a hope of his second coming. So I put these back in the back that uh, you can light that when you get home in the evening. Say, so I'm going to light that. I'm going to take this, my Bible and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read and meditate on it. This scripture, Wednesdays is quite a long scripture, and Thursdays as well. But you sit there and you say, I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to light this candle, and I'm going to spend some time in the Word of God. And my prayer is to you that just as that candle puts off light, so will your time be illuminated in the presence of God. And just as it puts off a a warmth, that your heart will be warmed as well, just as it was for the two guys with. Uh, from Emmaus, was they walked with with Christ and and talked. And when he disappeared, they said, didn't our hearts burn? So my prayer is that everyone here gets heartburned in the right kind of way as you spend uh, some time meditating upon these scriptures and how that relates to you. Because this second coming of Christ relates to you personally, just like the first coming related to you. More than just a day. And so we have 10 sets left back there. Marcia gave me that note to let me know that, that if you've already got one, just uh, you know, light it, enjoy it, and so forth. But we purchased enough, based upon what we could see, enough for one per family in the church. And we don't want anybody to, to not have it. Uh, so, and I don't know if any more is available anywhere. And uh, there might be some on some cargo ship in the Pacific. But I don't know if we have any more at the stores. And so we wanted to make sure that we got plenty of them and got them for our church family if you wanted to participate. So like I said before, there's one per family. Amen? Hallelujah. And they're free. <coughs> How you like that one? They're free. It's a gift. And uh, we wanted to bless y'all with that. Uh, so that and, and you know, it's not just about taking the time to share with your children why we're lighting this candle. It's a time where you may not even have any children or, or, or grandchildren in your home or nothing, but yet you can take that time because you are a child. You're a child of God, and it's going to be good to remind yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Amen? And one thing, too, is, it, is the tapered candles, is it gets a, uh, you, as you light that, uh, you'll see it go down, then the next day it goes down a little bit more. The next day it goes down a little bit more. next day it goes down a little bit more. And just as that candle of hope, there shrinks in size. This also represents what? Time is getting shorter, day after day. Every day is another day closer to that second return. Amen? So you can make it be symbolic of all kinds of things, but I, that was just the, the thrust of, of, of what I had in mind for you. We began uh, uh, celebrating Advent. it's a good way to close out the year and hadn't been a kind of a crazy year we thought 2020 was crazy 2021 was like a duplicate of it but we shouldn't been taken by surprise of that because the lord spoke to us the very first week of this year on that sunday morning and said don't don't think that this is the last pandemic don't think that the economy will not that america will not have to face another economic uh problem and so forth and and, and so he prepared us, letting us know, look, I'm still here. I'm still God. Don't panic. Don't panic. I'm still God. I'm still in charge. And you know the, the great thing about uh, studying over this Advent, about the second coming of Christ, it has stirred me up inside. Who really cares about the economy? We Jesus is coming back. I don't know about you, but that's a lot better than having a you know, making a little extra money in the, in the stock market. Well, we're going to be worried, you know, we've got pandemics, we got wars. And all. Jesus is coming back. And and as I began to study more and more of the second coming and, and what Advent is all about, it just stirred me up. This whole thing of hope, the candle of hope, the spirit of hope living and dwelling with us, It just does something about, you know what, all that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus is what matters. If you got your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to uh, Galatians chapter 3. And uh, last week I ministered a little little on Thanksgiving. And I I made mention of this verse, but uh, we're going to continue on into 4 where we can see about hope. And... uh, So let's begin Galatians 3, starting in verse 27. It says, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differ nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, say that with me, when the fullness of time is come, let's say it like we mean it, when the fullness of time is come, how I many you know it's come? The fullness of time has come. It said, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now this... It's not something that's going to take place. This is something, if you are a believer, has already taken place. But how many of you realize that there was an advent before this, of his first coming, where for 4,000 years that we know of, from Adam all the way up to, to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, they didn't have this. Jesus hadn't came. He hasn't died, paid the price for sin. He hadn't gone to hell. He hadn't been resurrected. So none of that was for those people. But you know, we are living in such a great time that we can look at hope in the past, what they went through for those thousands of years, and see what transpired during that time frame and glean from that and say, all of that has happened What is the hope of the next thing that's going to happen? Because we're living between the two. So we can have our hope stirred up and supported, our faith supported because of the hope that they had. This morning, uh, I woke up and and immediately the Lord said, basically, go look at this. And I'm, I'm like, okay, hope. And so... I don't know any better way of doing it than just probably maybe read so I don't mess it up. This chicken scratch that I put on this paper here. And as I was began writing, I didn't understand fully. I was seeing things from a perspective, but I didn't understand what I was seeing fully. And as the Lord began, continued with it, then I began to understand a little bit better. So it's going to seem like I was missing it at first, and I was because I could only see it from one perspective. Are you hearing me? But as he began to go on and on, I realized that it wasn't a one perspective thing. It was a much bigger perspective. And so I'm not going to hide that like I knew all this. just hadn't even really thought about it before. But he said this to me. He says, Christian hope, and let me just start by saying this, that hope, biblical hope, Christian hope, is not a wish. It's not a wish. It's an expectation. Are you hearing me? It's not Christ, the wish, okay, of things to come. It's Christ, our hope, our expectation. Are you hearing me? So when you read, or, or in our society, our culture today has made hope come to a place that's almost like something you just, it's a wish of a Christmas present, or Well, I sure hope I get this, or I sure hope it works out. I sure, you know, and there's really no faith or expectation to it working out the way you say or imply it to be. So it's just my best word, probably just a wish. And that's not biblical hope. Now, the world operates in hope as well, because some of them do expect the worst, do expect bad things. And that is their expectation. They're hoping in those things. They don't want those things, but their hope is in those things. How many of you know that sometimes in the church world it's the same thing? They can confess what the word says, but their hope and their expectation is not in what the word says, but in what the world says. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I thought you all would really enjoy that. So let's say it this way. The Lord said to me, he says, the Christian hope exists in two dimensions. And I thought about that, and I was wrong in the way I wrote it because I saw that later, but we need to understand that that hope doesn't just exist in one dimension as of, like, the present. Hope exists also in the future, but hope also exists in the past. See, hope is not just in one dimension. You say, well, I hope so, and that's just for right now. What are you hoping for? If you believe and your hope is in the second coming of Christ, then you're hoping now in the present. Your expectation is now in the present day for an event that's going to take place in the future. Is that right? And with us as Christians, we can not only have that hope of what his word says that he will return now in the present, but we can have it for that future event that's going to take place based upon his faithfulness in times past. You follow what I'm saying? So that's kind of putting it all out there to what everything he said there. But but the present hope influences our thoughts. The thoughts that we have today, every single day, is influenced by a hope. We have a hope. But what is that hope? Is it the hope of what God's word says, the hope of glory? Or is it a hope in something that we don't want? And we put it, and it's in the present thoughts, and it takes place in our actions. It has an effect upon our society. Christians' hope is not just waiting. A Christian says their hope is not a time of waiting. I'm just waiting on God. I'm hoping God will. No, hope, true Christian hope, involves your thoughts and it involves your actions not about sitting back and just waiting this is we're not trying to catch an uber somewhere it is a constant thing so advent as we have it this week of on the on the hope of god on his word it's a something that is continuation just all day just stir it up and as we study those scriptures we, we're learning and gleaming from them and Holy Spirit's revealing it about where you live on a personal level as you spend time there and meditate with it. And it becomes your thoughts through the day. And if you'll do that, you'll be surprised what will happen. And not only that, those thoughts that you're having will also have will bring forth actions in your very living that will cause the manifestation of what you hope for to come to pass. Christian hope demands participation. Like I said, these are things the Lord just spoke to me as I was forward this morning sitting down. It demands participation. Hope, again, is not something you just long for. It involves participation. And when we see the scriptures and begin to read the word there and see that our hope is in his second coming, there's something that's also the Bible's telling us to do. In that process. Isn't that right? He said put off the old man. Put on the new man. Put away these things. Put on the helmet of salvation. And and all of these things. That sounds like we're supposed to be participating. Not sitting back waiting. Well you know the Bible says. Those that wait upon the Lord. Will be a waiter and wait. Work. Do something. Participate. And so he says. Christian hope. Real hope demands participation as it awaits the manifestation of the object hoped for. So, the future dimension of, of hope, then when is, let me see, then when manifest, there's a living in the hope that you have longed for. In other words, whatever it was that you were hoping there, in it for or believing God for or whatever it is, you've hoped for these things. You hope for it in the present. You know it's going to manifest in the future. So what you had that hope is there, but the hope that you're believing for is also already present in the future. And you can good thing is is you can go back and say, based upon the hope in God's faithfulness, I receive it. And it keeps it stirred up. You're participating in this, okay? How many of you know that we have a hope in the rapture of the church? We have a hope in the second coming of the Lord. There are two different things, but we still have a hope for those things to happen, right? And I don't know about you, but it, it, it stirs me up because I know that in the Bible, there were 44 references, prophetic words, speaking about the coming of Jesus. How many you like that? Forty-four. And you know how many of those came to pass? All 44 of them. Now, what's the odds of that? Take that to Vegas. I mean, my goodness, the odds of 44 verses uh, or prophecies pertaining to Jesus and his coming, and they all came to pass? Yeah, every one of them. I've got them written down here somewhere, unless I fail to bring that page. But I, oh, here they are. I thought it would be good to mention some of those. We have the first one that said that Messiah would be born of a woman. Who said that? Well, it was written in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And if you like, I can make you some copies of these. I, I didn't think to do that. But it, it was good. In Genesis chapter 3, 15, after Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, he prophesied, God prophesied that he would send a Savior. Born born of a woman is what he said. Do you know that in Matthew chapter uh, 1, verse 20, and in Galatians 4, 4, we just read it, that scripture was fulfilled. So not only are there 44 references here or prophetic words about the Messiah, Jesus, coming, there's also multitudes of scriptures that show that that happened, just like he said it would. Now, what does that do for your hope? Builds my hope up. I mean, if he could be 44 for 44 in the Old Testament, and we're looking at a second coming and a rapture, we're in pretty good shape, right? Here's one that says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem in Micah 5-2. We read it in Matthew's Gospel in 2-1 that he was born in Bethlehem. And in Luke's Gospel 2, chapter 2, verse 4 and 6, it was so, recorded twice. It said to be born of a virgin. It's what it says in Isaiah 7, 14, that Jesus, the Messiah, be born of a virgin. Now, nobody would have probably believed that. They'd probably thought Isaiah had missed it. How's that going to happen? I don't understand how that could ever happen. Mary even had that same thought. How's it going to be that I've not known a man? How's this going to take place? But nevertheless, it took place. Born of a virgin. Messiah would come from the line... Of Abraham. So every single time they added this, how the Messiah would come, it intensifies how much more hope you should have that if God was right 44 times in the Old Testament about the Messiah coming, and about how he'd be of the seed of Abraham, how he'd be of the seed of Isaac, how he'd be of the seed of Jacob. And all three of those were so. <coughs> Excuse me. He said he would come from the tribe of Judah, one of Jacob's children. Well, guess what? He did. said he'd be heir to the throne of David, which would be a thousand years later. And he was. I don't know about you. It just does something inside of me. How could God make it right 44 times? And we're caught up with a pandemic thinking? We're caught up with a economic problems and, and who's in office type of thinking? They were some real jerks that were in kings and in office back in these days. Huh? Yet every single prophetic word that God spoke about the Messiah happened. Which ought to take our hope in what took place then. Their expectation of the first coming, they believed they stood on it. It should make us in this second Advent season strong Knowing that there will be a rapture of the church, that Jesus is coming back again, and we will rule and reign with Him in heaven forever. That's what we've got to look forward to. They were just looking for a Messiah, anybody, because they're in captivity; they're they're in all kind of messed up shape. Said his name would be Emmanuel. It was God with us. Said he'd be spending time in Egypt. Isn't it amazing how he took a A mean, murderous king who annihilated all the babies born through his actions. Jesus ended up going to Egypt for a season. But it was prophesied that he would back in Hosea. Fulfilled in Matthew's gospel. That there would be a messenger named John the Baptist that would get out and say, Prepare you the way for Messiah. But in Malachi, he said he'd have the spirit of Elijah. Isn't that amazing? 44 times he was right out of 44. I like those odds. And it goes on and on. It said he'd speak in parables that he, would, he was sent to heal the brokenhearted. Remember that? Isaiah 61. What did Jesus come back out of the wilderness and say? He picked up the book. And he read from him. he found the place there, and he read, and this day is this prophetic word fulfilled in your ears. And he sat down. He read that to him. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Said that the children would praise the Messiah. They did, they looked for him, they longed for him, they wanted to touch him. Also says that the Messiah would be betrayed. Was he betrayed? Yes, he was. Said that the the price of the field would be used uh, to 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 buy a cemetery. the the, the monies that was used to buy a, a plot of land to uh, for vagabonds and so forth that, that when they died, and it was so. Says that the Messiah would be spat upon and struck, and it was so. Goes on in uh, prophes- prophetic words, saying the Messiah would be. Crucified with criminals, and it was so. Had one on each side of him. Forty-four of these. Every one of them was right. Every one of them. Soldiers would pierce his side, gamble for his garments, pierce his hands and feet. The Messiah would be resurrected from the dead, buried with the rich, resurrected from the dead, would ascend to heaven, would be seated at the right hand of God, and would be the sacrifice of sin. All of those 44, I I just skipped over a lot of them. 44 out of 44. And so what is our hope? Well, because of his actions, his participation in being in the first coming, it's placed all of us in an entirely different situation. We can stand upon this word and say, you know what? Because of what Jesus did, I'm free. I am no longer a servant. No longer am I a slave to the elements and the bondage of this world. I am now an heir, a son of the Most High God. And he's placed Holy Spirit within me to cry out, Abba, Father, because I know my daddy now. Listen to this. Our hope. All of that, was right. the, the, this put us in a place of what all his work, for thousands of years, was spoken of through the death, burial, and resurrected, the birth, all of that brought us to a place where we now are different than what these prophets were. They longed to see the day that we live in as believers, walking in the authority of who God's called us to be. And as I said to start with there, written over there, that we're no different than a Baby, if we don't walk in it. Doesn't do us any any good at all. We're just under the elements. But we're not under those elements anymore. So we've taken the hope of the first coming, applying it and living it in our life between the, the first and the second coming. And that's what God's plan was for us. But many of us fail to live in the fulfillment of what all God's done for us. But we need to to recognize and, and 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 grab a hold of what did God do? And what has God done by giving us Jesus? Jesus coming and, and taking upon the flesh and, and living a sinless life. And all that he did was to position us to walk and to live during a time where there's still an opposition. Where there's still tribulations. Where there's still... Uh, pandemics, where there's still economic things, where there's still murderous people and liars and thieves and all kind of things in this world, yet we're not bound by those things. We're positioned in him. Because there's a second coming. And after that second coming and he takes us out and we're now ruling and reigning with him, we're not going to be dealing with that stuff. This is our time. This is not Abraham's time. Abraham had his time. This is not Joseph's time. Joseph had his time. This is not David's time. David had his time, but yet even David saw into the future of the dispensation that we live in called grace and reached up and said, I want some of that. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me after he had sinned. Oh, you mean he lived in two different dimensions? Yeah. And that's what God expects out of us. To live here in between two advents, living like we're already there in the other one, in the one in the future. Say, is that possible? Well, sure it is. And it ought to be stirred up within us more and more every day based upon what has happened. So there's a second coming. What is that second coming? Now, I know I'm running out of time, so we're going to go through it quickly. That second coming, let's go to, uh, I think it's Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's just read about that just a little bit. In the scripture verses that I do have, uh, that will be one of those. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13. And it's something to meditate upon. Read it and say, Lord, enlighten me about this. Because unless you actually get in there and read it, you, you probably won't know it. You say, I heard something about that one time. But let's begin in verse 13. It says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, no expectation. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, he's coming again, see there, shall not prevent them which are asleep. We see there it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet with the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. When is the last time you really thought about this. Or talked about this. Or comforted each other with those words. We ought to be thinking about the hope of the second coming. Now I don't know about you. But it stirs something up within me when I look over in the book of Acts. And we see that Jesus, when he told the disciples there, he says, Now, I'll be coming back, da 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 And he just rose up and floated off in the clouds. And the two angels were standing there, and they said, Why are you gazing up into heaven? What are you looking for? Don't you know he's coming back the same way he left? Hello? We ought to be thinking about the fact that we're going to be outside doing something one day or inside and just feel, you know, I, I need to go outside. And all of a sudden, here he comes. We ought to be expecting that anytime. Because we're living between what he's already done, 44 prophecies we know of, and we got faith in all of that. We saw it. It's happened. And here he says that he's going to be coming back. And he's coming back to get us. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that. I have nothing in this world that wants to keep me here. that's worth staying for. I'm ready to go. Because I know that up there it's going to be better. Being with him is going to be better. How about, uh, let's see. Okay, Second Thessalonians chapter two verse thirteen. Second Thessalonians two thirteen, it says, "But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, uh, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, say from the beginning, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. In other words, the works of Jesus, whereunto He called, whereunto He called you." by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us every everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. He says there, what? He's called us. He's coming for us. And we should be excited about it. He's done this work. Now, in the last few minutes, I would, if you, if you would, turn over to Matthew's gospel. I'm, I'm sorry, John's gospel, chapter 14. Go to John's Gospel 14, and we'll stay right here. In John's Gospel 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus said this. Now, there was people back then that didn't believe that he was the Messiah, that he didn't mean what he was saying. There were skeptics back then, but we just got through reading through. There's 44 prophecies that it, that it did happen. There'll be skeptics today, but you don't have to be one of them. Jesus said that he is going to another place and don't be troubled by it. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. It says, In my father's house there were many mansions. You know, if there was this was all just a fable, if this was all just a, a myth, Jesus would have told us. That's what he said, didn't he? He says right there. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that heaven was fake. But he didn't tell us that. He said it's real. I don't know about you, but that's my hope. My hope is not just in his coming to get me, but in living where he's prepared for me. Do we meditate upon that as much as we do? The things of this world. You see, heaven is a real place. It's a real place. It's as factual and tangible as the house that you live in. Are you hearing me? The Bible goes into great detail talking about heaven. You go in the book of Revelations, you'll find out that it tells how big heaven is. It says that the city, there's a city in heaven called New Jerusalem, and it is 15,000 square miles. That's a big place. That is a big city. It says there's a wall around it that is 72 yards high. Now, why the details if it wasn't so? It said the wall is constructed with all kinds of precious stones, sapphires and onyx and so on. That sounds pretty descriptive to me. He's painting us a picture to meditate upon. Are you getting it? He said the gates are 12 gates, three on each side. And they're made of a single pearl. And it tells the height of these, these, these great uh, great giant gates. It's all written right there for us to read. This is what we have to hope for. It says there's no lights in heaven, no sun there that God himself illuminates the light and and illuminates the whole place. He said there's a river that flows out from the throne of God with trees planted down both sides of the water just as crystal clear and and 12 different trees producing 12 different fruits all the time for us to eat and the leaves are for the healing of of the nations or for the people. That's pretty descriptive, isn't it? I mean, if we're going to hope on something, why don't we hope on this? Why would we want to hope for a new pandemic, a new variant? If we're going to hope on something, let's hope on the return of Jesus. He even said he's coming back and the saints are coming with him. He's going to be on a white horse. Angels are coming back with him. Trumpets, I mean, all of these things that we can be in hope for. But the devil has a trick. What he wants to do is convince you that what you're dealing with every day down here is more real than the hope of the future. He did it in the Old Testament. He started it with Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? Did he really say that? He didn't come and say, I think you ought to just go down here and kill somebody. He didn't tempt them with murder. He didn't tempt Adam and Eve with, with stealing. He didn't tempt them with anything. He tempted them with one thing, and that was to doubt what God's word said. He does the same thing today. So what's he going to have you doubt? His second coming. And that's what we can do during this week. We sit back and we read these scriptures of, of how what God has done in our lives. Uh, probably my most famous one is in Ephesians chapter 1. Where Paul praises particular prayer, oh what a prayer! It says that the hope of a, our understanding is enlightened, so we'll be able to begin to start seeing who we really are in Christ. It goes over into chapter two, and it's talking about the fact that, and you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, that you used to be a scoundrel. You used to live by the things of this world. You used to act that way. But because of what Jesus has done. You're no longer that person. But now you're seated in heavenly places with him. That is telling the truth. Of where we are actually located. That is our hope. That we live out. What we've been called to live. Amen. So this week. I want to encourage you. To. Take the time. Like I said, I have these in the back. Some of this will take longer than others. It's up to you how much time you want to spend. But to go and to read some of this and just meditate on it a little bit. Get a picture. Get an image. Watch the movie in your mind. I mean, hey, listen. Hollywood has never produced anything like what's going to take place. Return of the Jedi and all that other type of stuff, that might be entertaining. But to know that Jesus is coming back there'll be a sound of a trumpet. The forces of coming with him. Angels are coming with him. And he's coming to get us and take us home. What a movie. And you have the opportunity to meditate upon that movie. Instead of the one the devil keeps trying to tell you and sell you. That you're going under. That you're not going to make it. The news media is in on TV talking every single day and the internet and everybody else saying, where's your God now? They don't say it that way, but they ain't sure imply it. Where's God now? Where's God now? Where well, the same God that fulfilled 44 prophetic words there is coming back and doing them now in, the, in this day. In our life, we will see. And if we die, then he's going to come and He'll. Come back and it says. And the dead will rise first. We'll be it. We're in it. I don't know about you. But I get pretty excited about some of this. So this first candle of hope. Symbolizes the promises delivered. Through the prophets. From God. As well as the hope that we have in Christ. Something that's going to take place but some things that's already taken place, who we are in Him, and God crafted it—a great rescue plan to come back and get us. And this is plainly foretold, or foretold that is, in the years to come. It's just—it's all there. God gives us a glimpse of the future, of the promises, of the hope that He's coming back. And this is what Advent's about. His second coming. Glory to God. Let us pray. Father, let your hope, your word, arise in our hearts. Lift our eyes to to see that you and you alone are where our hope comes from. Help us to shake off the anxiety discouragements, the distractions that have filled this year. And Lord, as we pause to remember that we have hope, we have an expectation in you. You know the end of our stories, and we give you thanks because you have promised a victorious ending. So Lord, thank you for your grace. As we wrap up this year, we can do so with joy, joy in our heart, knowing that you are our expectation. You, Lord, you alone. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to encourage you to to get those back there, to read these, to meditate upon that. Next week, we'll be ministering on faith, the second candle. And uh, so this week, expect good things. Look at the hope, the hope, the hope of glory, the hope that you live in. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.